Excuse me. Good morning, church. Um, welcome to our neighbors. Glad to be with you. If we haven't met yet, my name is Michael, and I'm glad to be able to spend some time with you this morning. Um, we're there's a tension that I have felt, um, not just in watching the news, but also in in like conversations that I've had with people. There's a tension that I've felt, and maybe. Maybe this is putting words to something that you felt too, where I think uh, we're losing our categories. It used to be that we could like label, label an idea something and it would like be that thing. Um, and now it seems like that word doesn't mean what it used to mean. Do you, do you feel like, have you run into that or is it just me? That word doesn't mean what it used to mean. I thought it used to mean this thing. And now apparently it means a whole other thing that I hadn't, I had no idea. I, I wasn't aware and apparently I should not have said the thing that I just said. That's usually how I learn. I learn after I've made the mistake, right? I've crossed a line somewhere. Um, and it seems like our, our categories are kind of moving around. They're kind of shifting. And it can be difficult to know, A, who you're talking to, and B, um, how they're understanding what you're saying to them. Is that, is that fair? One of the ways that I see this um, in particular, is there are all kinds of people today who will uh, claim the name of Jesus or call themselves Christians, and yet as I look at either what they're advocating for or what they're doing, I'm going, I don't, I don't think that Jesus would do that. So like if, if the word Christian, like in its original whatever, meant a little Christ, a mini-me of Jesus, and I'm saying I'm a Christian, I'm looking at, and at these folks, I'm going, I don't know, I don't know that that's how Jesus would do it or, or what Jesus would say. And, and admittedly, I don't, have, uh, I don't have the corner on perfect knowledge about Jesus. Like I'm still learning too. That's the cool thing about following Jesus is he's not a doctrine, he's a person. And so you can't ever like nail the test every time. Uh, he's still revealing himself. We're still learning as we walk with him. But there are some times where I'm like, I just don't, I don't know that we mean the same thing by the word that we're using. And so how can we know how can we know that the Jesus we follow is the actual one? And, and how do we figure out how to relate to people who say they're following Jesus or say that they're a Christian, but maybe it's just confusing? That's the, kind of what we're going to be digging in um, together. And, and if, uh, if you're like, okay, well, I don't actually care. Like, <laughs> I'm not really into church. Like, church isn't really my thing. I don't care if you... If you uh, if, Churches are all full of hypocrites anyway, so it doesn't matter at all. Um, if, if that's you, then I'm excited because the way that this conversation starts actually doesn't assume Christianity from the get-go. We actually are going to start somewhere different. And so I'm excited about where we're going. Um, would you, are you guys ready? Can we, can we do that together this morning? Good. Um, as we begin, I'd like to start by praying because uh, I need it, and I suspect you do too. And it's been our habit to pray together the disciples' prayer. Uh, you might know this as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father um, from other traditions. But this is just the model of prayer that Jesus left for us. He said, when you pray, pray like this. And if we're going to follow him, it makes sense to me to, to do it. So, um, so if you would, please, uh, at the very least, bow your hearts and pray this with me. Um, you can pray with your mouth, too, if you'd like to. The words are on the screen. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, to begin to answer the question of how do we know who the right Jesus is and who's following what, like, I just would like to turn our attention to the Bible. Um, it's kind of my default, and it's a value that we share as neighborhood church that we trust the Bible. So we're going to turn in the Bibles to begin this conversation, and we're going to look at a letter that's called 1 John. So you've got, you've got the four biographies, and the fourth biography there in the middle is called John, but this is 1 John, 1 John, and it's going to be on page 1266 in the blue Bibles here, and I'm going to turn there too. 1266 in these blue Bibles. 1 John, you can navigate there uh, in an app or, or however you like to access it, but it's going to be helpful for us to read it together. There we are, 1 John. And we'll begin. I'll start in verse 1 and I'll read down to, to verse 4 there. That which we have, or that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I'll pause there. Everybody, that real clear to everybody? Oh, y'all read better than me. That's confusing. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. As I read that, I'm looking at that going, like, what is... What is he trying to say? And so let me introduce you to the author because you need to know a little bit about John. Um, John was one of the disciples of Jesus. He was in like Jesus' inner circle. So Jesus had 12 disciples that followed him around everywhere, but he had three that he spent extra time with, and that was Peter, James, and John. Um, and John was one of his closest friends, and he ended up writing a lot. He wrote, I mentioned before, he wrote a biography about Jesus' life um, that we just called John. Um, but this is a letter. It's probably a transcript of a sermon. I don't think it was actually like he sat down to write all this. I think it actually is a transcript of a sermon that he was, he was talking to people. And so have you ever like uh, looked at a transcript while you're listening to some audio? I know this is a weird niche thing that I probably am the only one in the room have ever done. <clears throat> you don't talk the same way you write. Sometimes, sometimes as you're talking, um, the sentences blur together. It's not as clear where the sentences stop. And so I think that that is a feature of this letter is that I think he's talking. And so whoever's transcribing for him is like, I don't know what to do with the punctuation here. I gotta, gotta make some decisions. Um, the other thing is uh, I like to call John uh, Crazy Uncle John. And the way that I picture reading his letters is walking up to the front porch and crazy Uncle John's sitting there in the rocking chair and he's been sitting there all week long. You got no idea if he can even get out of the chair, but he's just sitting there. He's like, ah, let me tell you a story. And you start to listen and you're fascinated. You're enthralled. You're like, I don't, I don't know what's here, but I know it's great. And the more he talks, you're like, I'm not sure I quite understand, but I love it. Like that's, that's how I feel reading John. 
the crazy Uncle John, I just want to hear, like, you've seen some stuff, you know some things, and I don't really, I don't get all of it, I don't see how it all ties together, I trust it makes sense in your head, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm here for it, right? And so that's, that's who we're talking about, um, and he, it's not clear exactly who he's talking to, but it seems like he's definitely talking to people who have decided to follow Jesus, but they're struggling um, to do that, all right? So he starts off this letter, Crazy Uncle John sitting in the rocking chair, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So he's starting with, I've seen some stuff, I've touched some stuff, I have some experience with this, I am an eyewitness. I'm an eyewitness. I've seen some things, I've put my hands on some things, I, can, I was there. Like he's having flashback here. I was there. I remember. Let me tell you some things concerning the word of life. What, what do you mean, John? Uh, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it. So I've seen this life and I'm telling you that I saw this life and that it actually exists. It was made manifest. It came into being or it came into a place that it was visible, which was from the Father, from God the Father, and was made manifest to us. So this life that, that John saw, he knows that it came from God and he knows that he could see it, he could taste it, he could touch it, it was there. And he's being super vague, right? I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Just spit it out, come on. And he, let, he was gonna keep his secrets for a minute. He wants to draw you in, are we, are we drawn in yet? That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you. All right, well, say it, please. Uh, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He says, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you because I want you to be friends with God and I want you and I to be better friends. I want to have fe us to have fellowship together. We're gonna to be good friends if we buy into this together and then we together are gonna to be friends with God. You'll have fellowship with God and we'll have fellowship with you. We, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So I'm making a written record of this because I want for our joy to be made complete. Not just my joy, not just Crazy Uncle John's joy, but our joy, the joy that we're gonna experience together. <sighs> He's just saying, this is a really good story and you're gonna love it, right? This is gonna, like, the, your joy is gonna be made complete when we get through this story. Well, what's the story, John? Well, let me tell you, right? That's, you get the picture, you get the setting. Are we sweating yet on the front porch? We can taste, or we can hear the cicadas in the background. Are we ready for the story? Um, so let me pause before we get into the story because you know, John did it, so I can do it too, right? Um, so if we're skeptical about Jesus and we're skeptical about Christianity and we're skeptical about the whole thing, like here's something that I, that I, that I want to point out to you that I think is important and is something to take away. This isn't just something that people made up. This is something that's carried and delivered to us from eyewitnesses. These are people who were there on the ground, who walked with Jesus, who touched uh, who could shake hands with him, who traveled with him, who spent days and weeks and months and years of their life with him, who, who saw him in his best hours and saw him in his worst hours, and their conclusion was, that guy is the son of God. Like, look, if you spend, any, you spend a week with me, and it'll be real clear to you, I am not the son of God. It will not take long to sniff that out. Um, but these guys spent multiple years with Jesus, 
um, John being one of them. But what I think is fascinating about this section, John's saying, I'm going to tell you a story about something that I saw, but when he says, this is something that I saw, he, he says it in a we saying. He uses uh, plural pronouns to talk about something that he has seen. It's not just John. It's not just John sitting on the rocking chair telling you this story. He's saying, we were together in this. You can go and talk to Pete, and Pete will tell you the same thing. You can talk to James. Well, James doesn't have his head anymore, so you can't talk to James. But you can talk to Andrew, or you can talk to any of the other disciples, and they will tell you the same thing. We were there. We saw it. We lived life with this guy. He was our roommate, or we were his roommate, however that worked out. Um, But we spent time with him, and our conclusion at the end of that time, after seeing everything that we saw, after touching everything that we touched, after hearing everything that we heard, was that Jesus is the Son of God, the life from God the Father made manifest to us. Now, John doesn't explicitly say all that here, but based upon what he's getting ready to say, I'm bringing that in, okay? So here's, here's a question as we are at the front end of this. Will we consider the testimony of an eyewitness? Will we listen to somebody who saw it with their own eyes? I, I, give more, I give more credence to somebody who saw it with their own eyes. People want to come and tell me a story about everybody saying, blah, blah, blah. I say, well, who said it? Well, you know, everybody. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, tell me who said it. Well, I don't want to. Blah, blah, blah. Well, then I don't think it's true. And it might be true, but like, I don't believe you, <laughs> right? So um, will we accept or will we consider the testimony of an eyewitness? Somebody who was there and saw it. Now, if you're into... To, to, um, law enforcement, then you know that eyewitnesses can go wrong, that their stories have to be verified. But remember that we're not just considering the story of one eyewitness. You've got 11, 11 men with different backgrounds, different financial situations, different motivations that all agree that, yeah, this guy was legit. This guy was the son of God. Will we consider not just the testimony of an eyewitness, but of eyewitnesses who saw it and wrote it down and has been confirmed by people with PhDs. That's a reference to Luke, if you didn't know. Will we consider the testimony of an eyewitness? Why? Why does it matter? It's not just like, okay, well, there's a story, there's a thing that happened, and like it's a historical fact. That's interesting. This is more than just interesting. John is saying this is more than just an interesting historical fact. This is in order that if you buy into this story, you'll have fellowship, you'll have friendship with God. The, 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 um, the separation that we feel from God, you know, when, maybe this is just me, but when you're, when you're laying in bed at night and you're trying to sleep and there's that feeling of like things are not the way that they're supposed to be and, and like there's something out there but it's not, I'm not connected in the right way. Like John is saying that Jesus overcomes that separation. We can have friendship with God the Father. A byproduct of that is that we have friendship together with other people that are walking with Jesus. And the byproduct of that is joy. Oh, we've been doing something wrong. Yeah? If we've walked together and we've kept our eyes on Jesus and, that, and one of the byproducts isn't joy, we've done something wrong. I have more questions than I have answers. But 
will we consider the testimony of an eyewitness? Let's continue reading. I'm only going to read one verse. Like, I got a lot to say about this next verse. I'm sorry. Not sorry. Verse 5. <clears throat> this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. Here's the point. This is the message. This is the message that we heard from him and we now proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And you're like, okay, like, why are we going to spend any amount of time just talking about that? Like, that is actually the keystone, the premise of everything else that he's going to say. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So let me give you a big idea that we can kind of hang on to this morning, that true life is walking in the light of God's perfect character. True life is walking, living in the light of God's perfect character. If you want to live like you're dying, <laughs> live in the light of God's perfect character. This is the message that we heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, I'm reminded of creation. So if, you, if you're not familiar with the book, the, the introduction that we get to God in his book in the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, but the spirit was hovering over the waters. And then he started and he said, let there be light. So this, this, this um, separation of light from dark, this manifestation of light which chases out the dark is, is keystone and fundamental to all of creation. Don't we know that there's a circadian rhythm to nature? Don't we know that there are nocturnal creatures and what's the other, what's the opposite of that? Daytime creatures. I'm sure there's a fancy word for that, but I don't know what it is. There's nocturnal creatures and then there's dayturnal creatures, right? <laughs> there's a circadian rhythm to nature that's like embedded in there and there are things that belong to the dark and there are things that belong to the light. And, and John here is saying that God not only belongs to the light, he is the light and in him and there is no darkness at all. Here's a function of light that um, physics wants to tell us, and it takes us a minute to grab onto, but it's something we don't think about. Because of, I think, probably Eastern philosophy, we think of yin and yang, darkness and light, all these things are in balance and things like that. I, it's not in balance. What is the power source of darkness? What can you walk into the room and flip a switch and make the room darker? If you walk into the room and flip a switch and the room gets darker, that doesn't mean you turn the dark on, it means you turn the light off. Darkness has no power in and of itself. And I don't want to get into all dark matter, antimatter, blah, blah, blah. Like, we can do that, but that's not the point that I'm making here. What I'm saying is that if God's using this idea of light as a metaphor to help us to understand himself and his character, then understand that there is no counterbalance opposite force equal to God. There is light, there is God, and then there is no God, and that's darkness. Darkness is the absence of God's character. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness of all. God is the definition of goodness and the definition of clarity for all of creation. God himself is the definition of goodness and clarity for all of creation. Sin is anything that we see in the world that's contrasted with God's character. There's all kinds of, like I used, a, I used a church word. I'm sorry, you're in church, you'll forgive me. 
sin is anything that's contrary to God's character. And it manifests, it's so sneaky. It manifests in all different kinds of ways. If I were to do a sermon, I could do a sermon on all the kinds of sin. We'd be here for two hours and I still wouldn't be finished. Like sin can manifest itself in all kinds of sneaky ways. But sin is the absence, the contrast of the goodness and the clarity that we see in God's character. Turn the light on. And any shadow is sin. There's some, there's some implications there that we don't have time to get into. And God's character is the foundation for everything that we see. For that, that there is any order in creation, that there are any laws by which nature abides by, all of that is a reflection of God's character. Does it work perfectly now? No, because we have introduced a virus into the system which tries to eliminate the light in the world. But initially, the operating system was good because it was based on God's character. Do we believe that God's good? Okay, it's Sunday morning. You're already primed. We sang some songs. You're ready. Do we believe that God's good? Yeah, Mike, of course. Like, I'm a, I, I love God. God is good. Okay, is God good when, when, when that loved one is taken away from us? Is God good when, when the child, the innocent child, continues to battle the chronic condition? This is, this, this is the question. This is the question that every single one of our neighbors is wrestling with. And this is the question that if you haven't wrestled with it yet, will before you're done. Is God good? Do we believe that God is good? What John says here unequivocally is God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And yet, from my perspective, from my seat, I'm going, there's a lot of darkness around here. Is that from you? True life is walking in the light of God's perfect character. It's beyond us. And God is patient to walk with us through it. But true life is walking in the light of God's perfect character. Well, let's, let's read some more verses. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I'll pause there. So, um, I need you to flash back and hear, and hear this with the spirit that is delivered. Let's flash back to the front porch. We're sitting on the front porch with, with crazy Uncle John. He's rocking, cicadas are singing, and he says, look, 
if, you, uh, if the habits of your life are darkness, then you ain't walking in the light. If you're walking in the darkness and you say that you're walking in the light, you're lying. I just calls them like a season. Ain't no problem because all of us has been walking in the darkness. That's where we all started. Ain't none of us better than the other. Good news is Jesus can fix that. Jesus can turn the light on. Mm-hmm. Jesus turned the light on for you. You keep walking in the darkness. You're making Jesus a liar. That ain't right. Don't do that. I, I don't want you walking dark. I don't want you to sin, boy. But when you do sin, good news is Jesus will clean you up. He's the only one that can. He's the only one that spilled his blood. You ever heard that story? I wrote about it a long time ago. I don't have time to get into it right now, but let me tell you, it's a good story. You ought to fix, get me a circle back on that one. I'll get back to that one. But if you do sin, if you do sin, Jesus will fix you up. You got to come back to him. You got to tell him that he was right all along. You got to agree with him. Because you don't agree with Jesus, you lying too. Right? But there's something powerful in what Jesus did going to the cross for you and me. There's something we couldn't have never done for any of ourselves. I don't care how big a bootstraps you got or how hard you pull them, you ain't going to get up to God's level, I'll tell you that much. You want to get up with God? Just tell Him that He's right. Tell Him you agree with Him. Tell Him you jacked up. Guess what? He already knows it. And when you tell him, when you agree with him, he says, you're right, boy. What you did won't right, but I'm going to make you right. Our walk is our pattern of our lives. So he uses this word walk. He uses this imagery of walking. Um, and I don't know if you're uh, a kind of person who does journaling, bullet journaling, or you've even seen this before, but the colors represent habits in this, in this chart here. Um, and so what, what's the color? What's the shade of color of what your life would look like? Now, this is, this is something that somebody made. In my head, I think about the pattern of our life as like if, some, if there was an objective tracker for every thought, action, attitude that I held within myself, and there's just like a, a ticker tape running, and what, is the, what does the pattern look like of my walk? What does the pattern of my life look like? And if I'm walking in darkness, if I'm walking trying to shut the light out, if I'm, if I'm hearing the voice of Jesus and saying, I don't want to hear you right now, I want to do my own thing, then maybe I don't actually believe what it is that Jesus was saying, and maybe I'm not walking with him. Like, if you're, if you're trying to walk with somebody and you've got your ears in your fingers, like, there's a broken fellowship there. Y'all ain't being friends right then, right? He's saying, take your fingers out of your ears, say, you know what, you're right, agree. So much religious baggage on the term confess, but confess just means agree. Just say, God, 
You said that was wrong and I did it. You said that's a bad attitude towards people that you created in your image and that's how I feel about it. You're right, I'm wrong. I agree. That's, that's the confession of sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, here's the promise, here's the good news. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's the thing. You won't ever hear Jesus minimize your sin. You won't ever hear Jesus say, oh, it's not that big a deal. You'll never hear Jesus give an excuse for your sin. We, we, we do all that. We try to do all that. But Jesus doesn't do any of that. Jesus calls it what it is. He says, that's sin. You need to agree with me that that's sin. That's hard. <laughs> the preacher in me wants to be like, the world don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Because Jesus gets in my business too. But he's in our business, he's in our face, he's calling sin, sin in our hearts, not because he wants to be a bully, and not because he just wants to like, oh, just throw the, throw the receipt away. He said, look, I paid for this in full. I paid for this in full, and, and, and if you don't let me take it from you, then you will have to pay back. And that's not... It's not going to go good for you. I will pay for that. I have paid for this. I put a down payment on it, and it's going to be good. The check cleared. I came back from the dead. But you've got to agree with me that it was sin. He's our only hope. And he's not, he's not just like looking at the pattern of our lives. Like He is an advocate for us. He's our defense attorney. He's the, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, somebody who's pleading our case. Not somebody who's sitting down like, well, I hope they figure it out. But somebody who's pleading our case on our behalf before the Father. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. Now, propitiation's a big word. Lots of people like to argue about it. If you've never heard it before, then you're blessed real, real good. And I'm just letting you know there's a landmine here that I'm stepping right on. Right, And I know I'm stepping on it, and I'm not going to address all the issues I'm bringing up. I'm just going to tell you how I see it, because we're here with Uncle John on the front porch. <clears throat> there's, there's a mystery that happens in how God, just perfect, in whom there's no darkness, just perfect God can look at dirty, filthy sinners who are darkness and love the darkness and would love to be wrapped around in the darkness for the rest of whatever existence that they get, who he would say, I'm going to take their punishment and put it on my perfect son so that they can now have fellowship with me. There's something unfair in all of that, and there's something in the mechanics of how all of it works, but there's something like that is the perfect justice that God wants to pour out on humanity. We can argue the terms. I don't want to. I just want to point you to the fact that the only hope we have to be right with God is, is what Jesus did by laying down his life, offering himself as a living sacrifice, paying in full for all that is broken in the world. Not just our sin, but the manifestations of our sin within creation, which is a whole other thing. And, and all of that thing can be set right because Jesus says, I paid for it. And that's the only hope I've got. 
I can't explain the mechanics of it, theologically. I know that there's gallons of ink spilt on trying. And I don't know if it's penal substitutionary atonement or any other kind of variety of theological um, categories that we want to try and put it in. All I know is that it's Jesus. And as, as the apostles looked at what Jesus did, they looked at his sacrifice and they gave God glory and they said, I love Jesus for what he did for me, not God must, not looking at God going, I don't think that that was a very loving thing for God to do. If the attitude that we walk away from it is different than the apostles, then we probably have misunderstood something. And if we look at it and say, God, like, I can't believe that you would go to those lengths that you stick your neck, literally pour out your blood for me, and we can walk away from that going like, meh. But if we understand it and we grasp it, not only that it was for me, but what does he say? He's the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, not for yours only, not for just the people that are in the pews on Sunday morning, not just for the people that are in the small groups throughout the week, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. It can be real hard to let Jesus forgive somebody else's sin when they've sinned against you. But he's paid for it. That doesn't make it right. Jesus is never about excusing sin. But he's clear that he paid it. And he asks for us, as we come to God and as we interact with God, to pray, forgive me my debts, as I also have forgiven those who have a debt to me. And that does not happen by us coming to a pep rally and feeling like, oh, I can do better this week. That only happens when the Spirit of God, the light of the world, moves into your heart and begins to reshape your character to reflect His. True life is walking in the light of God's perfect character. Will we trust Jesus to advocate on our behalf. Will we trust Jesus to advocate on our behalf? And I mean, it's a question that we can spend the rest of our lives trying to answer, but I mean two things. If, you, if this is all new and you've never heard any of this stuff about being made right with God, then all I can point you to is Jesus and tell you he's the way to do that and start a conversation with him. Jesus, I don't understand the mechanics of how any of this works, but I trust that you are the way to make things right with me and God. Will you do that for me? Because he's real clear. The invitation's open to the whole stinking world. He's a lot more generous than I would be. So if, if you haven't yet begun to trust Jesus, then, then do that today. If you've walked with Jesus at all, then my suspicion is that at some point somebody has sinned against you. And it can be real tempting to make them pay. To hold a grudge. Will we trust Jesus to advocate on our behalf? Will we forgive as he forgave? Not because what people did against us wasn't wrong, 
but because Jesus said he's paid for it in full. And there are layers and layers that I do not have the time to unpack to what that means, but that's why he's put us together so that we can explore that together. Friendship, fellowship with one another as we grow in fellowship with God. True life is walking in the light of God's perfect character. Would you pray together with me? <laughs> God, thanks for John. Thanks for his personality. Um, and Lord, you know him real good. And so if I've been offensive in the way that I've portrayed him, then would you apologize on my behalf till I get there? But God, would you help us to understand what is true in these words that you left for us? Would you help us to see through, even if we can't understand the logical progression, would you help us to see the heart that you are conveying behind it? That God, we'd not take for granted your grace when we have started walking with you and that we would continue to boldly do what we know is wrong. For the, and for those of us that haven't started that walk to say, you know what? The way I'm going isn't leading the way I want to be. And I don't know where Jesus is headed, but it seems like he's got the truth. I want to go with him. Wherever we're at this morning, God, you know. So would you give us the faith, the boldness to follow you how you're leading us now? Would you fill us with true life? Lord, would you restore the joy of our salvation if we've been walking with you with our ears and our fingers, our fingers and our ears? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, in Ocala, and in our hearts as it is in heaven. Amen. This conversation is meant to be a starting point, not an ending point. So I, I was real clear that I don't have all the answers to all the implications of what we've got in this text. Um, there's some questions to chew on, um, but the questions to wrestle with together our relationship with God and our relationship with other people who are seeking God is, is a keystone of how God meant for the church to work. And Americans think we can do it all by ourselves, but Jesus didn't know who John Wayne was. I'm kidding, he did, but it's a different thing. There are no lone rangers in the faith. So let's take a few minutes and reflect on how God's speaking this morning um, and interact with him in some quiet.